Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. The sun was setting over the dense woods of the National Park, casting long shadows that stretched out like ghostly fingers. I, a park ranger, had been on my usual patrol when I heard it a strange and eerie sound emanating from a nearby deserted cabin. It wasn't the first time I'd come across strange occurrences in these woods, but this was different. I was supposed to be the only one here at this time, and the cabin, as far as I knew, should have been vacant. With my flashlight in hand and a sense of unease settling over me, I made my way through the forest toward the source of the sound. The voices grew louder as I approached the cabin, but I couldn't discern any words. My heart raced as I pushed open the creaking door and stepped inside. The cabin was empty, and the voices had ceased. The interior, however, was like a glimpse into the past, a collection of odd, old artifacts from the National Park's history. Vintage maps, faded photographs, and dusty ranger uniforms adorned the walls and tables. It was as if I had stepped into a time capsule of the park's past. As I examined the peculiar collection, a rustling sound from outside pulled me away from my thoughts. I stepped back out onto the cabin's wooden porch and gazed into the darkening woods. That's when I saw an unknown predator lurking in the shadows. My heart pounded in my chest as I strained to make out its features. Its pale, human-like hand was adorned with large claws that glinted in the faint moonlight, and its skin appeared to be covered in a clear, glass-like substance. The creature's face was massive and terrifying 
with milky white skin and eyes, veins of the deepest blue visible beneath them. Its long, sinuous tongue darted out, the only part of it that seemed to move aside from the trees swaying in the wind. Its antlers, black as night, resembled twisted mold-covered branches, and its humanoid form stood an imposing seven to eight feet tall. My blood ran cold as the creature muttered something in a Native American tongue, its voice a chilling whisper in the night. Without warning, it lunged at me, and a battle ensued. I fought desperately, trying to fend off this foe. Its claws were razor-sharp, and its strength was overwhelming. I could feel myself losing ground, panic setting in as I realized that I might not make it out of this encounter alive. Thinking quickly, I reached for the knife strapped to my belt and managed to thrust it into one of the creature's milky white eyes. It let out an otherworldly shriek of pain and recoiled, blindly thrashing about. Seizing the opportunity, I turned and ran from the cabin, the echoing cries of the creature fading behind me. Breathing heavily and covered in sweat, I stumbled back onto the trail. With trembling hands, I fumbled for my radio and called for help. The police arrived soon after, but when they searched the area, they found nothing, no signs of the strange cabin or the creature that had attacked me. They looked at me with a mixture of disbelief and concern, no doubt thinking I'd encountered some wild animal or experienced a hallucination brought on by exhaustion. I couldn't blame them for doubting my story. It was utterly unbelievable. Camping with friends. I went for a walk. I was followed by something. Later it walked up to me and stared from heavy cover, then brought a large five-inch diameter branch to warn me. I looked away and sat with it for 15 minutes before I felt it was safe to get up and go back to friends. We left campsite for the night. We drove back to Bend where we found the evacuation in progress for the Aubrey Hill fire. We had no idea the fire was happening when camping. Back when the little grocery store in Milford had a cafe, someone that worked up front mentioned the cemetery to me and asked if I had ever visited it. I said no and he told me that when I had time, I should check out the interesting names and monuments grave markers. Well, a couple years passed after that gentleman mentioned the Milford Cemetery and I happened to be in that area, so I decided to stop. Not long before arriving, I filled my gas tank up on my truck. When I arrived at the cemetery, I found a spot to park where my truck wouldn't block other vehicles. While I was walking around, I was very careful and respectful. I couldn't help but feel a sort of hostility in the air. At first, I thought it was just me, but the longer I stayed, the more I felt odd and uncomfortable. I did pray while walking around. I'm not sure exactly how long I stayed, but it was at least an hour. Finally, I decided that I had seen enough and wanted to leave. When I got inside my truck and inserted the key into the ignition and turned the key to start, my fuel gauge showed that I had less than half a tank of gas. The truck was on flat level ground. I took the key out and looked under my truck to see if there was any gas leaking and I could neither smell or see any. So I got back inside the truck and started the truck. Once again, the gauge still showed less than half a tank. I went ahead and drove away. The further I got down Highway 77, the higher the gauge registered. After about five miles, my gauge showed full again. That gauge has never acted up prior to or after visiting that cemetery. Of course, I have never gone back there, but don't have a reason to. I will be telling you what I saw and heard while on duty in the evening of Thursday, July 15, 2004. I was dispatched to an area where there had been reports of a lot of screaming. Once arriving at the scene, I met with two other officers, who we will refer to as A and B. We proceeded into a wooded area that led out onto a street near a housing development. It was from that same location that we had heard these crazy yelling screams coming from behind us in the woods just off the side of the street. They were very loud, very high-pitched. There were some lower pitches mixed in there as well. I have never heard anything like this before since being on duty here in Plymouth County. 
Since my partner and I were the only ones who actually heard this, we talked about it. Both of us think that we'd heard some type of Bigfoot-like creature. While not necessarily believers, we like to say we keep our options open. We had Officer C with us as well, but he never heard the screams or anything else. One other thing I'd like to add is that there were no residences on the street at the time, nothing back off the road. When we first came out into the woods, there were no vehicles either. This whole area has been developed since then, though there are a few houses now back off the street. We first came out on the noise we heard down in those woods could be best described as a long scream or yell mixed with a howl and growl. It sent chills down my spine that night, even as a trained law enforcement official. I never saw anything like this before, and I have not seen or heard it since either. I do hope that one day I will see something like that again. I know there are certain things out there we cannot explain, and that's what makes it all the more intriguing. It should also be included that Officer had a previous sighting of the same type of size of creature back in the early 90s, might have been 91 or 92. I actually spoke with him about it. He described to me what he saw. It was very similar to the way I would describe our screams that evening. The most striking thing was that he just stated that it stood there, staring at him for almost 10 minutes or so. He said it felt like it, but was probably only 30 seconds. Again, all this took place out in Plymouth County. A peaceful Mohican village was nestled in the heart of the forest. Men, women, and children were engaged in their everyday tasks, cooking, crafting, and storytelling. Suddenly, a deafening roar shattered the tranquility. Panic ensued as the villagers looked towards the nearby woods, fear etched on their faces. An unknown predator, monstrous and swift, lunged out of the woods. The villagers scrambled to defend themselves, wielding spears and bows. Chaos and desperation filled the air. The predator unleashed a fury upon the Mohicans, attacking with relentless ferocity. Men, women, and children fall victim to its savage onslaught. Amidst the chaos, only one man, Winged Hawk, manages to survive. Covered in dirt and blood, he clutches a wounded arm, pain etched on his face. Winged Hawk looks around, his eyes filled with a mix of horror and determination. Tears stream down his face as he gazes at the lifeless bodies of his fellow tribesmen. Voice trembling, I'll do my vengeance. Winged Hawk rises to his feet, his body filled with a newfound resolve. He glances towards the dark woods, his eyes burning with a mix of rage and sorrow. Winged Hawk prepares himself for the journey ahead. He dons a ceremonial headdress adorned with feathers, symbolizing his connection to his ancestors. With a solemn expression, Winged Hawk tightens the grip on his bow and arrows. He carries a tomahawk, his weapon of choice in his quest for vengeance. Winged Hawk ventures deep into the dense forest, his footsteps determined and unwavering. He navigates through thick undergrowth and treacherous terrain. Winged Hawk discovers a hidden cave, a place filled with ancient symbols and remnants of his tribe's history. He kneels, bowing his head in prayer and seeking guidance from his ancestors. Winged Hawk emerges from the cave, infused with spiritual strength and resolve. He knows he must confront the unknown predator that decimated his people. Winged Hawk arrives at an abandoned temple, its crumbling walls a testament to the passage of time. Shadows dance around him, as if the forest itself holds its breath. The unknown predator emerges from the shadows, its eyes gleaming with malicious intent. Winged Hawk locks eyes with the beast, unflinching in the face of imminent danger. A fierce battle ensues, the clash of weapons and roars filling the air. Winged Hawk fights with unmatched agility and skill, his every movement calculated and precise. With each strike, Winged Hawk feels the weight of his fallen tribe on his shoulders. Determination fuels his every action as he refuses to yield unleashing his vengeance upon the predator. Winged Hawk lands a fatal blow, striking true and bringing the unknown predator to its knees. As it takes its final breaths, Winged Hawk gazes into its eyes, a mix of triumph and sorrow in his own. Winged Hawk kneels beside the lifeless predator, 
his hand gently touching the beast's hide. A single tear falls, carrying the weight of his people's loss and the fulfillment of his vengeance. I was stationed in Anbar province, Iraq, tasked with watching over a bridge that spanned some railroad tracks. It was October 31st, and a freak electrical storm suddenly rolled in, casting an eerie atmosphere over the area. As the storm intensified, I couldn't help but notice that the antennas on my Uparmored vehicle began to flicker and emit an otherworldly glow, resembling those glass electricity balls I used to play with as a kid. It was an unsettling sight, to say the least. What made the situation even spookier was the fact that my second truck was positioned about one kilometer away, keeping a watchful eye on another section of the road. With the storm raging and the night being Halloween night, we felt isolated and alone in the darkness. To ease our apprehension, I made the decision to flip the truck around so that my turret faced the bridge. This way, both the driver and I could maintain a watchful gaze on our surroundings, ensuring our safety. As the hours wore on, the storm continued to unleash its fury upon us. The rain fell in torrents, drumming relentlessly on the vehicle's metal exterior. The occasional thunderclaps rattled our nerves, accentuating the already tense atmosphere. It was a night like no other, filled with an uncanny sense of being watched. Despite the swirling fears and unease that had settled upon us, the night passed without any notable incidents. By the time morning finally arrived, we breathed a collective sigh of relief, eager to leave the bridge behind and put the unsettling experience behind us. Nothing out of the ordinary had occurred, yet the memory of that night would forever remain etched in our minds. Looking back, it was a surreal and bizarre encounter, a Halloween night like no other. Whether it was a mere trick of the storm or something more supernatural, I couldn't say for certain. So this is a story comes from a very, very close family friend of my grandpa. His name is Neil, he's the kind of person that wouldn't lie about something like this, and I honestly believe his story. This story was told while I was on a hunting trip with my grandpa father a few of my uncles, Neil, and one or two other people. I don't know exactly how the conversation led to talking about strange and unknown things seen in the wild, but here we were. This was a few years ago, so forgive me if I've forgotten some details. Neil's story, a few years back, he described it to be about early 90s myself, and one of my friends had gotten permission to go and hunt jackrabbits on another one of my friend's property out in a very remote part of Western, idea I can't remember exactly where, but they had come an hour or two from the wiser area NID. The property was out in the middle of the desert quite far from any small town or city. We entered on the north side of the property over a cattle guard and through a gate. The property was kinda in a valley and was divided into a very large flader plain mostly on one half, and then on the other was a very large hill that spanned the length of the private land and had an elevation of probably 200 to 300 feet give or take. That night we had been working the flatter part of the land with the spotlight on my truck and flashlights in hand shooting the rabbits. It was a clear night and the moon was probably 3-4 THS full, so it was relatively easy to see some elements of the property by the moonlight. We started a little after dusk and by this time it was about midnight and were about two, three yards down the length of the property when we heard this unhuman, blood-curdling scream come from the eastern side where the hill ran. I looked at my friend and we both froze. We were at the truck using the spotlight looking for rabbits when it happened. We were probably 200 to 300 yards from base of the hill, so the top of the hill was probably another 100 yards or so from the base to the top. As I started to scan the hillside with my scope, the creature had screamed again. I then followed the sound and saw a tall, lanky humanoid figure standing with the upper half of its body silhouetted against the sky at the top of the hill. I had fired a shot toward it from my point .22, knowing it wouldn't make it to the creature. But I wanted to try and get it to move up and over the hill so I could get a better look at it. But instead then this thing started to move down the hill toward us. Right after that happened, we booked it the, the closest side of the property, 
found a gate and shot the lock off and drove away from there as fast as we could. To this day, I still don't know what I saw, but it scared the shit out of me. So there's Neil's story to the best of my recollection. I would love to hear what y'all think, Skinwalker. Wendigo, let me know. In high school, my friend and I both 17 male. We'll call him Jay frequented trails to go for smoke walks. On this fall afternoon, we went to a familiar trail in a moderately wooded area. One blunt into our walk, and an odd man comes on our path. He startled us. He was middle-aged and plainly dressed, but I think he had some condition. He looked like a stocky Ethan Hawk with crazy eyes, and he spoke to us like a child. The childish man was rambling about hide-and-go-seek, frantically asking, Have you seen two kids? Jay and I were both puzzled. We took obvious note of the creepy man in the woods asking about kids, but we didn't know what to do or say. We ignored him and continued on the trail to spark another. On our way back to the trail access, we see the childish man on the path, yet now with a tall, slim man. Jay urged me to get us out of there. Jay was already non-confrontational, and we both felt an eerie tension. Yet the whole thing was fishy, and I didn't want to regret doing nothing if some kids were at risk. I asked, why the hell is your friend asking about some kids? They both give the same weird hide and go seek with two kids. The tall man claimed to be the father. He was more with it than his childish companion. He kept questioning my concern for his kids. The tall man was getting angry, veering unthreatening. I had a bad gut feeling, but decided to leave this whole weird encounter behind. Yet on our way out of the woods, we see a boy and a girl stand up from a wheat field. They just rose up like a poem. I observed to see if they needed help, yet they were cheerfully waving at us. I held a thumbs up and they signaled back. I got in the car with Jay, we got the hell out of there. Was it just a good father and uncle playing innocent games with their two kids? Was I being nosy and blowing things out of proportion? To this day, I bear an uneasy guilt anxiety for those kids. I never thought to write about this story. Jay and I still reminisce on it. I'll never forget the moment we first came upon the childish man. Edit. I just want to clarify that this was almost definitely a harmless case. However, at the time it was so fishy that I was positive we were being filmed in a special Woodland episode of What Would You Do? That said, I was also aware at the time that the first man more than likely had a disability of some kind. His appearance at first was truly startling, and the comportment of the tall man definitely raised my suspicions. I had one of the most terrifying experiences of my life as a police officer in Beaver Township, Ohio. It was the early morning hours of October 25, 2018, around 5.3 a.m. I was on patrol with three other officers from the Beaver Police Department, driving down a desolate road called Davis Road. As we were driving, something caught our attention near the edge of the road, so we decided to pull over and investigate. Out of nowhere, a massive figure resembling a man appeared before us. It stood about seven feet tall and was so close to our car that we could have reached out and touched it. The sight was chilling. Its face was elongated and bony, with huge fangs protruding from its mouth. Its eyes were dark, reminiscent of a shark's gaze. We couldn't believe what we were seeing. Before this encounter, we had noticed movement along one of the roads within our line of sight but we weren't sure what it was. Our curiosity got the better of us, and we decided to follow it. As we reached the spot where it had been seen, all four of us witnessed the creature in full view. It was unbelievably close, and we felt as though it could pounce on us at any moment. One of my fellow officers said, it was like nothing I've ever seen before, and the rest of us agreed. The creature defied any explanation. I immediately knew it wasn't a bear or any known creature. It took only seconds for our eyes to adjust, and we could clearly see the details of this extraordinary being. Strangely, it seemed to emit its own light source, making it easily visible. The whole experience was surreal and unnerving. 
We watched as the creature disappeared into the nearby bushes. Two of us left our post to join the other two, forming a group to investigate further. However, our search yielded no additional sightings. All we found was a large hoof mark in the area and some broken bones among other things. We discussed our encounter and the lack of evidence. It was frustrating because we knew what we had seen, but we also knew that finding proof would be nearly impossible. We were convinced that if this incident made it to the news, it would be quickly retracted or dismissed. It's encounters like these that make us realize how strange and inexplicable our world can be. We are reminded that there are mysterious phenomena and creatures out there, lurking in the shadows. Even though we may never find concrete evidence, we share our experiences to shed light on the unknown and to let others know that sometimes the truth lies beyond what we can comprehend. My brother and I were camping outside of Wasp, Tennessee at the foothills of the Appalachians. Me, him, and two dogs were sitting around a fire at around 2 a.m. A rock the size of a basketball came hurling off the top of the rock face that was about 50 foot up in an arch that landed just short of our fire. We thought maybe it had just rolled from higher up and got some speed, but then we heard growling. Not like a mountain lion or a bear much deeper. Our dogs, who were very quiet hunting dogs, began growling with their legs between their tails. We noped right into the tent and got our rifles like something that can hurl a friggin' rock like cares about bullets. Another time my uncle and I were... Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Hunting South Alabama in a giant old pine tree orchard. We stumbled upon around 15 deer carcasses up in the top of the trees, we summed it up to poachers and went on our way. Once we were in the deer stand, we heard screaming like a woman, but so guttural it made my skin crawl, and for the first time in my life, I saw fear in that man's eyes. He looked me in my face, said F this bullshit, and started gathering our gear. Later on, one of his good friends, full Native American, explained that the sound was a wendigo. I don't know if he was screwing with us or not, but I've never heard a sound like that before. Took me a couple years to go in the woods before or after daylight again. When I was 15, I was at a Boy Scout camp in Illinois. My tent mate was sick, so he went home on Tuesday. Wednesday night, I'm alone in my tent and I heard what heard like thuds. Between 10 and 12 a minute. I thought little of it and went to sleep. 
Thursday night, alone again, I need to take a shit about 1am. I walk up to the latrine and behind me, I start to hear those thuds. Someone is chopping wood with our troops axe at 1 in the morning. Someone who then stops, looks directly at me, and then walks away into the woods. I've never been so scared in my life. I heard laughing accompanying the chopping later that night. I reported it to the camp staff, and they did an investigation, which revealed that others heard what I had and one had even seen the same thing, and to this day, five years later, has come up empty. This wood chopper hasn't reappeared, and it was confirmed not to be a camper or staff member. One time my boyfriend and I were camping out in the wilderness. It was probably close to around 11 p.m. or midnight, and we're both in our tent, laughing and talking before we fall asleep. His dad and stepmom are both doing the same about 50 feet away from us in a camper. The conversation died for a second, and as it was quiet, we hear a freaking roar. Imagine a man full-on roaring like the most anguished yell I've ever heard before in my life only it wasn't a man. It was close to it, but way bigger, way more powerful sounding. There's no doubt in my mind that this was not human, but I couldn't think of a single animal it actually matched up with. Neither of us are new to the wilderness. He grew up in that forest and has probably slept more nights out there than he could count. I'm a really big camping nature enthusiast myself, and I've heard so many different animals make so many different noises. As this is going on, both of us are completely paralyzed so I know he can hear it right along with me. The noise dies out and as soon as it's been quiet for more than a few seconds, dozens upon dozens of coyotes start answering back in every direction. Yipping, crying, just everything in this dead quiet forest is completely filled with them calling all over. This goes on for what feels like forever before the yell comes back out again. All of the coyotes stop at once. The only thing you can hear is that roar. It sounds like it's miles away from us, but right next to us, simultaneously. The coyotes all stayed completely silent after that. Both of us have been quiet, listening, the entire time. Then the yell goes dead. There's no noise after. The entire forest is silent, and it takes me a minute to ask if he heard it, already knowing that he did. He told me yes, no tone in his voice. Just flat and fast, yes, so I sat frozen in my spot and tried thinking of every animal I've ever heard. In the wild at the zoo, on nature documentaries. The closest thing I can think of is a person, but almost more primitive. Way bigger, more powerful, more wild. I ask him, do you know what that was? Have you ever heard anything like that before? He answers with the same dead tone, no, I've never heard that before. Both of us agreed that, despite going through every animal in the almanac we could think of, every state of all those animals hungry, mating, challenging, dying that could produce that kind of noise, or what kind of animal could be big enough to even make that kind of call, let alone with that much range and depth, nothing. The next morning we didn't even have to say anything. His dad and stepmom started the morning by asking if we heard it. They said Bigfoot first, just for the record. I don't disagree at all, this is exactly how I decided that I believed in Sasquatch. I've searched on YouTube and I've found some really similar calls. Nothing has matched perfectly depth, length of call, that sort of thing, but some of them are almost so spot on that I don't have a problem thinking they're made from the same thing. I came to this thread to read other sassy stories, but haven't found one yet, so I figured I'd throw in mine. This happened about three years ago, and I want to hear it again so bad so I can try to record it. I'll be completely open to somebody suggesting an alternative to what it was, but I promise it wasn't any of these things. Cougar, bear, bobcat, lynx, elk, deer, fox, osprey, squirrel, porcupine, beaver, wolf, coyote, person, really drunk, high person, songbird, insect, mouse, dog. This is what my mind looked like, just trying to find an answer. Definitely one of the craziest few minutes of my life. When we were kids, my dad took the whole family to do an overnight tenting trip on the next lake over from where our cabin was. 
The other lake was about a mile portage in and had no road access. This lake was about as remote as you can get. That night, around dusk, three drunk guys show up in a boat stating the tiny island we were camping on used to be theirs. They came and made small talk, but they were creepy as F. I was maybe 10 or 12 and my dad just happened to be cutting wood when they pulled up. He didn't put the axe down for the rest of the night. In the end, nothing happened, but I have no idea who they were or where they came from. This is a strange story, but interesting nonetheless, so I thought I should share it to see if anybody could do anything with it. I have a videotape of my great-grandma from when I was kid. She was sitting around with her sisters talking about old stories from when they were kids. One sister started talking about a story her father, my great-great-grandpa made her promise to never talk about, but since she was over 90 years old, she didn't think it mattered anymore. She was very flustered still just talking about it. The best we can tell, this event took place in the Logansport, Indiana area in approximately the 1890s or so. My great aunt was taking food to her father and grandfather, working the fields all day as she did every day. She would take a horse and cart out to where they were working, have lunch, then come back home. On this particular day, she could not find her father or grandfather. She then heard them yelling at her to get inside the woods nearby and hide. She complied and that's where they began telling her that they have been watching some sort of flying machine that didn't make any sort of noise flying around the field. They supposedly watched little people get out of the craft and take pieces of corn and soil, then they flew away. The uncle and father had been hiding in the woods for some time afraid to leave. All the people in the video have now passed on. But my grandma, who is now in her mid-80s, the daughter in the story's niece, gave me this tape because she was curious if I could find any other reports from that time frame of anybody reporting the same sort of thing. I have the tape of the story, and that's about it. It's just a story, but interesting. I've seen a lot of the usual stuff out in northwestern Canada, but the only thing that made me really think twice about going into the woods out, there was not wanting to find a body. There are dozens, hundreds of unsolved missing persons cases out there, many of them indigenous women, but some men and white people as well. There are signs up everywhere with information about the missing. I hope they're found and their families find some closure, but I dreaded being the one to come across the corpse. The other thing that made me think twice was the bullet holes everywhere. Blowing holes in highway signs is bad, but these F-heads would shoot up outhouses. Nothing like taking a dump and counting the bullet holes in front of your face. Canada has some stricter gun laws than the states, but people still make bad decisions. So nothing really spooky, just people. I used to spend weekends and summers hunting alongside my grandfather when I was in middle school. He taught me the ways of the woods, the patience required, and the respect for nature. It was a bonding experience, one that I cherished deeply. One autumn afternoon, as the sun cast a golden glow upon the forest, I took aim and shot a doe, my first successful hunt. The crack of the rifle echoed through the trees, and I felt a mix of excitement and pride wash over me. Little did I know that this experience would forever change my perspective on hunting. As I approached the fallen doe, ready to field dress and prepare it for consumption, I noticed movement out of the corner of my eye. A fawn, no larger than a puppy, emerged from the underbrush. It had been hidden, obscured by the tall grass and the shadows of the forest. The realization hit me like a punch to the gut. I had unknowingly orphaned this young creature. The fawn stood there, its innocent eyes wide with confusion and fear. It emitted a series of high-pitched cries, almost like mournful wails, as if desperately trying to wake its mother from an eternal slumber. My heart shattered into a million pieces as I watched this tiny creature grieve the loss of its parent. In that moment, the thrill of the hunt vanished, replaced by an overwhelming sense of guilt and remorse. I couldn't bear witness to this heartbreaking scene any longer. 
Tears welled up in my eyes as I made the decision that would shape my future I vowed to never hunt again. My grandfather, understanding the weight of the situation, put his hand on my shoulder, offering silent support. He, too, had witnessed the emotional toll that hunting could exact. We carried the doe back to our truck in silence, our spirits heavy with sorrow. From that day forward, I turned away from hunting and embraced a different path, a path that involved appreciating and protecting wildlife rather than taking their lives. I dedicated myself to conservation efforts, learning about the delicate balance of ecosystems and the importance of coexisting with the natural world. That encounter with the fawn remains one of the saddest experiences of my life. It serves as a constant reminder of the profound impact we have on the lives of animals and the responsibility we bear as stewards of the earth. Though I will never hunt again, I strive to ensure that future generations appreciate and preserve the beauty and wonder of our natural world. I worked in New York Harbor for quite a few years on tugboats, assisting large ships in and out of the harbor. I work offshore now and unfortunately haven't seen anything too creepy out here. To set this up, spoiler being that it's not supernatural, New York Harbor is busy. All commercial boats communicate with each other on one VHF station if you're interested. Get a VHF handheld and tune into VHF 13 sometime. Where we're going, what we're doing, how we're going to meet, etc. Everyone uses this station. Rugs, badges, ships, ferries, coast guard, well-crewed yachts, etc. So it's jam-packed, always SQ-waking. Pretty annoying sometimes. I came into work a day after Hurricane Sandy hit New York. Disregarding the hazards of driving the roads on Staten Island where the boats are stationed, the entire harbor was shut down due to fears of debris and shoaling caused by the storm surge. For the next week, I sat on the boat, getting paid, waiting for the harbor to open. The point I'm getting to is that the radio was dead silent. One of the busiest and congested waterways in the U.S. and nobody was moving. Nobody was talking. You could turn the interference rejection all the way down, the volume all the way up and only hear a faint background buzz. It just felt wrong, unnatural, a bit of a post-apocalyptic vibe. Anyway, that's my creepy sea-related story. During about five hours of babysitting, I drank a six-pack of 5% of BV seltzers. I am not a day-one drinker. It was just a regular night, and I did not make any mistakes due to said seltzers, nor was I drunk. Now, if you are under the understanding that the common person doesn't typically hallucinate or mess up too bad with around one strawberry lemonade seltzer every 45 minutes, then I can carry on. And you can read, but if you can do nothing but automatically prejudge my story over said disclaimer, don't bother. And yes, this will be relevant to the end of the story. Moving along. So in a very woodsy state in the U.S. I used to live in, I knew a hippie couple that would pay me and my now ex to babysit sometimes. It was about 20 minutes into the woods there were houses on the way, but all pretty far apart. These friends lived up a hill that was about a one-minute drive and had two neighbors, but not anywhere close enough to hear them. On this night, I went up there by myself. They paid good money to babysit, had awesome, well-behaved kids, and their property was gorgeous, so it was always a treat go up there. I didn't know how to lock their front door, but I always felt safe because I was like, who would come all the way up here? Guess I might have been wrong. So the evening went normally until the end. The kids played outside a bit and I watched them. They went on to watch TV and I put a tuna casserole in the oven their mom had prepped. I went to do some dishes while they chilled because I said I would clean the house the day before also a paying gig and I didn't come through for that, so I wanted to surprise the parents. Pretty soon after, the kids needed to get ready for bed. One could brush her teeth, and the other still needed his brush, so I did that, and I think they just put on pajamas, and I went to grab a quick drink from the kitchen. Here's where it gets weird. Again, no neighbors close. Between the bathroom and the kitchen, there was a back door. I heard a woman talking very close to the window, as if she was talking to someone else. 
The TV was off, and I don't put on headphones or a speaker around other people, so it was none of those things. I assumed I didn't hear their parents pull up, and they were talking outside, so I opened the back door and called out their names, but it was pitch black and silent. I immediately felt alarmed. I put the kids to bed and said I will be right back, and if they are still awake, I will read them a story. I went outside and sounded a drill I happened to see by the door and said if anyone has a bone to pick, I'm right here and come get it. Mind you, even a good cop was at least 20 minutes out and I had two other lives to protect. Call me bonkers, but again I heard people in the woods and I have no history of mental illness or drug abuse, so yeah, I heard what I heard. With how shaken up I was, I knew something had to be wrong. Parents returned shortly after. Mom seemed calm, Dad said he thinks I drank too much, and he believes I thought I heard something. He said his kids did not hear me outside when I came out warning whoever was out there. I closed the door so they wouldn't hear me, and the kids said the night went well. Despite this, he thinks I scared them and drank too much and never had me babysit again. I think I did the right thing. One of my aunts recently passed away at 92 years of age. My cousin has been her caregiver for the past four years. He promised her he'd never put her in a nursing home. He doted on her and kept her clean and comfortable until she passed away at home. The evening she died, he was monitoring her vitals and listening to her heart with a stethoscope and heard her take her final breath. As he stood up from her bedside, he caught a glimpse of movement at the nearby bathroom door. He saw his mom in a flowing white dress looking much younger and almost transparent. She looked at him and said, thank you, and faded away. We will be attending her celebration of life this weekend. I grew up in the late 90s, early 2000s. I spent a lot of time outside and I loved all animals, including bugs, frogs, and lizards, etc. My little brother played a lot of sports, so on weekends I was always dragged to his games, and after school I often had to attend his practices. It was soccer season, and I had to go with my mom to one of my brother's soccer practices after school on this day. I was probably female eight or nine at the time. It was at a local park surrounded by some wilderness, and some hiking trails I liked this park, because off to the side of the soccer fields was a creek with frogs and stuff. I'd love to go over there and look at them and try to catch them, etc. It was evening time and the sun was setting, but there was still plenty of light left. I told my mom I was gonna go down to the creek to catch frogs. It was down the hill slightly from the fields and obscured by some bushes and shrubs. But there was a clear dirt trail that ran alongside the creek. So I scurried on down there and was carefully studying the creek looking for frogs when suddenly a man's voice startles me. What you looking for? I look up and see a middle-aged man dressed in typical office, business wear button-up shirt, slacks, dress shoes. He was standing on the trail, blocking my route back up to the soccer fields, looking at me and smiling. I was a shy and cautious child, so I just looked at the man and didn't reply at first. My spidey senses were already tingling and I remember feeling nervous and uneasy. I sometimes saw hikers on the trail by the creek, but his outfit and appearance told me this wasn't a hiker. He then asked me, are you looking for butterflies? I saw some down there, as he points further down the trail away from the soccer fields. I just said no and started looking around at what my options were. I felt the need to get out of there fast, but as I mentioned he was standing on the trail which was my route back to the fields. There were thick bushes on the hillside between the trail and where the fields were. I started making my way up the rocks to the side of the creek towards the trail further down from where he stood, and to my alarm, he started moving down the trail toward me. Need some help, he said. I was now starting to panic, although nothing had happened and he seemed friendly, it just felt wrong to me. I just got stranger danger vibes. I remember feeling a burst of adrenaline and fear. I shouted no and booked it up the rocks across the trail and crashed my way through the bushes towards the soccer fields. I remember the branches scratching me, 
but I didn't care. I literally scrambled my way through them till I came up to the fields and then sprinted over to where my, my mom was watching my brother's practice. I probably looked like hell, so she of course asked what the heck happened, and I told her. I felt like she thought I was just being paranoid, though. I'll never know if this guy posed a real threat or not. He could have been just getting some fresh air on his way home from work, who knows. I just know it felt creepy at the time. I am in Moorhead, Kentucky and have been experiencing unexplainable things while I've been hiking around Eagle Lake or near Cave Run. I'm not a superstitious person and I'm very rational when it comes to the animals in our region. It will sound as if something is approaching, coming much closer than any animal should, and when noticed I react, stomp my feet, etc. it stops. An unrelenting dread and overwhelming anxiety falls over me, I cannot shake it, and I know I have to leave at that point. Each time as I've started to leave, whatever it is has charged quickly, coming much closer and essentially chasing me from where I've been. I refused to return to Eagle Lake after I experienced it the first time and chose to go to a pretty popular area near Cave Run. The same exact thing has happened more than once. I have not been able to shake the feeling. I have definitely been the only one in the area on both occasions and there have been no animals near, definitely not ones large enough to make the sounds I've heard. My girlfriend has been with me on each occasion and has heard and felt the same as me. If anyone has seen, felt, heard anything, please let me know. Edited to add, I'm not trying to claim EKY has a new cryptid or that a ghost is following us or anything. I wish I could believe it has somehow been the exact same creature exhibiting the same behavior four plus times in different areas, but it has become hard to do so. My girlfriend and I both agree that it so clearly felt like something has wanted us gone. We've gone out so many times and have never experienced anything like this before or held any anxiety about going out. I carry, I'm not afraid of wild animals in our area. I realize I sound crazy, but I really am just wanting some shared experiences. Thank you all.